0: Hello, welcome to In Ink Trust, tattoo and art culture in the San Fernando Valley, bringing you the latest who's making a mark on the valley tattoo scene. I am your host, Anthony Sanchez. Today, we're gonna talk to Nate Sigurd (laughs) from uh, Tribute Tattoo in West Hills. Um, Nate is the CEO of Skin Motion, a tattoo technology which turns audio into a tattoo you can hear. The tech became viral in 2017. There are about 40 artists uh, that use this method of tattoo. He's also a projection artist um, with working on, projects like So You Think You Can Dance, this among many other talents uh, that we hope to talk about. Thank you for coming by the, sto- the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You like that intro?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like, you just got through it. Like, that's, that was awesome. I'm, I feel like I've tried to write bios for myself, or whatever, and it's always like too much and you just got it. Like. <laughs> Yeah, my bios are terrible, but um, my own
0: personal bio. But obviously, you can someone else can write for you. Yeah, it's a lot easier that way. Yeah, I hate that when they're like, write it in third person. And you're like, all right. Yeah, but I'm not a third person. I'm me. I'm me. Yeah. I have feelings. Um, so are you a morning person?
1: No. No. This is terrible. Huh? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not terrible at all. I mean, like, I have two kids who are under three right now. So like, whether or not I'm a morning person, I'm now. I'm morning person regardless, so I'm a, I'm adjusting, but it's not my natural best time by any means. Yeah, so you consider yourself more of
0: an afternoon or evening person, like
1: night owl. Um, I think? mean, I I feel like the most progress that I made or like, uh, the the best time I'm my brain just is like working the best or whatever is probably between eleven p.m. and two or three in the morning. I mean, it used to be that late. Now I fall asleep at like eleven because I'm exhausted, but it used to be that I was way more of, like, a late-night person. and I think it just has to do with, like, the world calming down. Like, everything else is a lot more quiet. There's, like, less distractions, so. Yeah. Uh, I could just, like, focus, super focus, yeah. and get more done. I know. Because
0: of my jet lag, I've been waking up at 2 a.m., and i've been I, I just go out
1: and get some fast food which is bad for me but it's really <laughs> awesome to be in la at 2 in the morning yeah it's, like, it's it's really pretty like there's no traffic yeah i'm a fan actually i'm besides it like everyone else on the road is probably drunk yeah like uh you know i guess not over here in the valley it's all like older i, I guess if i head more towards hollywood for yeah sure, yeah yeah down in this, sure. down in like the city yeah for sure out here it's just empty
0: yeah like i'm Especially the only like, one yeah and once you go past the the 101 405 out here it's all just it becomes very suburban um so as an entrepreneur do you even like that title
1: Is that kind uh of- i mean it's probably the most accurate thing to tell people about what i do uh because it takes too long to list off the like 20 other things Mm -hmm. um i mean i i guess i have like a little bit of an issue with the word entrepreneur just because so many people call themselves entrepreneurs but then just like talk about business all the time and don't really like do anything you know they're like think they can like just hire people to do everything for them and then not have to do stuff uh and so i think that's like the danger of calling yourself an entrepreneur is that like you know it should imply that you're doing basically everything yourself. But the other way around is that it ends up being a lot of people who kind of want to, like, middleman things and, you know, not really produce anything, Mm. so, you know yeah I meet a lot of people like that too especially in l a there's a lot of them. yeah everyone's um, got like a brilliant idea you know like
0: yeah do you watch do you watch the Silicon Valley because i've just been re- rewatching that <laughs> yeah and it I, probably is
1: in that vein in that tone yes i i mean i i love that show uh and it's too real like it, <laughs> like when we when 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 the sound wave tattoos went viral and when we started skin motion and it was just like a really crazy time and so we wa- we like rewatched silicon valley because uh i had watched a little bit of it prior but as we were watching it, it was just like oh my god these guys are living our life and really i think like the i mean i wish we had raised as much money as those guys but we're not doing compression algorithms so it's a little bit different but um the thing i think that's the most similar probably just from the show that what we experienced was just how much like one day it was like, oh my god, this is it. We're winning. I, you know, I, this huge opportunity is coming. There's so much potential. And then, like the next day, I would wake up and like there'd be like just some bit of bad news or some challenge or something. And it would just be like, oh no, this whole thing is ruined. Like it's <laughs> never gonna work. Like oh my god, what are we gonna do? And and that that shift uh, at the beginning was like you know the wave of up and down was like hourly you know it was okay. like every hour there was like oh my god oh my god oh my god you know and and then like a couple of months in the kind of drew out a little bit so it was like every other couple of days it would be like we're doing great oh we're not doing so good and i feel like now we're like almost two years in or whatever and or a little more than two years in um but two years since we launched mm-hmm. and the the wave has elongated much longer to where it's like, oh, we're doing really good. Like, this feels good. So, you know, let, I'm sure there will be some point where I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing? But, you know, that wave at least has like mellowed out and I you know I hope for the characters on that show that <laughs> there is some kind of mellows out too but I feel like it probably won't so Yeah I
0: think the the last episodes coming up of, I haven't seen this show. new season I'd I yeah. like to but I stopped at season 1 and then my really good friend she was like oh it's so good and then I watched another program and they were like we're sad to see the show go and I was like I better jump back in cuz I'm missing something and I think though the good thing about having the space from when I first watched season 1 was at first I thought it was just about Silicon Valley and how silly they are, but now I realize it's about entrepreneurship and yeah. that whole, that all those things that are happening from, you know, people pulling the rug out from you and people being excited about you and then not being excited about you. So it sounds yeah. a little bit of like what you're talking about there.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and you know, they filmed that show in the Valley. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple of friends who work on it, whatever, but they used to like block off our streets over in Encino to like film or whatever, or film mm. there. So they, it's, uh, a val- it's a valley show.
0: If you watch, do uh, you know about Cobra Kai? This, this Karate Kid kind of... It is like a, a, a new series on YouTube. I haven't seen it. Okay, so it's like the, the Karate Kid characters, like the Russo and whatever, and the, my apartment was usually the exterior. Oh, <laughs> nice. So when my brother came over, he was like, oh, they took pictures.
1: Yeah. I was like... So yeah, the valley's still kind of a, a thing. I, I think so. I mean, in the... 25 years whatever I've been running around out here like mm-hmm. it, it always seems to have some kind of cool pop culture thing going on
0: yeah of course there's a uh, Tom
1: Petty too with all of his songs
0: <laughs> <that> also, <laughs> right? right so um, what, as, as someone who works on so many projects uh,
1: what's the toughest thing about keeping everything going I'm focusing, focusing. I mean just, just figuring out what's the most important thing that needs to get done right now uh, I mean because I guess that was like the biggest question of my 20s you know I I, you know I got really stuck on this like philosophical thing of just like if you can do anything what do you do you know if everyone's connected if everything uh is in this like delicate bal like balance and harmony with each other then you know by putting myself in the position of having to think like if I could do anything right now like what do I choose to do and like really not just the like what to choose to do but why to choose to do it became Mm -hmm. very important and so I spend probably most of my time trying to figure out like what's the most important thing to do right now and why should I be doing that Mm -hmm. um and you know usually it's like making sure that anybody who has a problem is not having a problem Mm -hmm. that's typically like the first thing you know especially like my family, the people mm-hmm. I work with, my customers and client, you know, there's kind of like a hierarchy of who am I making sure everybody is doing okay. Right. Um, but then even just like on projects wise, it's you know what is go- what do I feel like is going to like cause the greatest amount of service, just based on like what I can do right now. Because there's only so much I can do. Um, so just you know, what if I don't do it right now is not going to get done. So walk us through all the different things that like you can chronologically might be
0: easier like as a teenager she's Cro- Cro- probably easier yeah so
1: uh I grew up in Agora okay and um in in like middle school I started teaching myself uh like graphic design and like I had a really good friend and who was good at websites and stuff and so he taught me how to build <laughs> websites and this is like back in the days of like when AOL gave you a little page you could like have a web page on or like uh, GeoCities Geocities. or whatever, yeah. I think they finally took a lot of GeoCities down. I think, yeah, I was thinking about it the other night. Like my first websites I was building, I, I figured out how to take like a portable CD player and, like, run an eighth-inch cord from the CD player into the computer. And so I was, like, recording Green Day songs, like, <laughs> from my portable CD player into my computer. They could only be, like, 20 seconds long or something, because oh. the files would get too big. Yeah. And I would put those up on my website on GeoCities, and I'd be like, check out my favorite band, Green Day. <laughs> like, they are the best. And I would do, like, little radio shows and stuff. Oh, I would, like, nice. record myself. Yeah, so anyway, that I learned how to build websites, like, real young. And uh, in high school... I started doing it like professionally, uh and like kind of like I don't want to say dropped out of school, but school became much less important. Um, I ended up doing homeschool so that I could just work and do mm-hmm. what was important to me, but I was making almost more money than I was making in my twenties as a fourteen year old doing this and, and it's like nineteen ninety nine, It's like the internet's blowing up at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and also, I learned how to play music, so I played music, and that kind of like gave me something to build websites for, because I was like, you know, building database-driven back-end websites for my band, so they could like log in and add news to the website or add show dates or whatever. I was just like building all this stuff out, and I would sit in class and like literally code, um, like by hand on paper, hmm. and figure out like how I was gonna build everything, and then go home and, like actually do it. Uh, and like I had this one friend who was just super good. Now he like works for Amazon. He's, you know like the boss of bosses you know uh he taught me a lot of stuff too so i did that and then after high school same just kept doing um music and websites and stuff like that and um, finally when i was 22 i was working for a startup down in la and so in silicon valley actually in the first season there's this there's a, a character who um Basically, gets hired for a job and then they don't have him work on anything, and he just like hangs out all day and he gets paid to like hang out all day and like the idea is for him not to go work for someone else. Right. And a kind of a similar thing happened where uh, some stuff was going on in a company that like I knew about <laughs> and they didn't want me going anywhere else to do anything, <laughs> and uh, so I basically was getting paid to just sit there, and I I kind of like went crazy. Uh, it just felt so wrong, you know. Like yeah. I the whole thing. What were they trying to
0: stop you from? Uh, stopping, <laughs> I don't know. What 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 did they see? What potential did they see? Do you? Well, know? no,
1: I I yeah. I mean, there there was stuff going on within the company that like <clears throat> wasn't explicit. You know, like nobody ever said like this is a thing and it's happening. But like there were signs of a thing happening everywhere, and uh it just got to the point finally where like there was a explicit like evidence of a thing happening and. You know, I was young, and I was, um, you know, I, I, I basically, I, I approach a situation from a position of I want to help, and I want to make things better, and I want whatever, and they were like, okay, well, the way that you can help make things better is by, like, not doing anything, keeping your mouth shut, and sitting over there. You know, like, you basically, I had a special project, and I just, <laughs> like, did my special project. Okay. But I watched quantum physics videos from MIT all day, and I got paid for it. And after a while, I kind of started going crazy. Right. You know, because I'm sitting here going, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I choosing to do this? Like, is it just because money? I mean, like, I like having money, but it's not fulfilling. And really, like, really set me on a loop of that, like, I was wasting, like, what am I doing with my life? And one day I got so fed up with it that I went down to the beach and was sitting at the beach and was just kind of like, ah, like, what am I going to do with my life? And I got a phone call. And the phone call is from my buddy who was uh cleaning a fish tank over at this guy jim hayek's house jim hayek is a tattoo artist uh out in newberry park back in you know i think he's in westlake now he's working at made gray but uh at this point he had like his own like private studio whatever and he's like i'm over his house he said he wants to teach you how to tattoo and i was like oh my god this is the answer to everything and he's like when can you get here? i was like i'll drive over there right now so i drove straight over to this guy's place and uh started talking to Jim and and was telling him about, you know, this is what I do. And he's like, how much money do you make? And I told him how much money I made. And he was like, you're an idiot. Like, you should not quit your job. You should keep doing that. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, all right, well, this is what I want to do, you know? And I talked to him some more. And, like, really what it came down to is just, like, websites are so ephemeral. Like, they are temporary. Like, even, we you know, we build them. We're constantly updating them. We're constantly, like, rebuilding them. Like, everything is just this, like, constantly changing, living dynamic thing and um, it's kind of frustrating you know it's a little bit frustrating to like put all your time and energy into something that like in six months is just going to be garbage (laughs) you know because you're just going to throw it away and like build a new thing Um, and and I had been thinking a lot about tattoos because of music and all these different things and you know, I, I even bought a tattoo machine prior to, like, meeting this guy, but, like, I was too scared to use it, hmm. you know? Like, I kind of sat in my closet, and I would, like, research online about tattoos and stuff, but, like, I, I did maybe, like, one on myself and was just like, this is scary. Like, I was way too intimidating. Like, I'm not... I, was, I do not have the authority to be messing people up with this thing, you know? I always like hearing that about people that tattoo on themselves. did did you? Where did you, yeah. Where did you tattoo on yourself, then? Oh, man. I mean, I have, like, a bunch on my thighs <coughs> I did, and... But, like, at at first, I forget, like, I have a dot on my knee. Like, I was tattooing an orange one day, just, like, screwing around tattooing an orange, like, right when I got it. And then back, th- I got these NUMA tattoo machines, where I was, like, right when NUMA tattoo machines were coming out. And I met Carson, Carson's always some NUMAs. So I'm, like, tattooing this orange, and it, and then I, my buddy's there, and he's, like, do it, do it on you, you know, do it on you. I was, like, fine. So I do a dot on my knee, and I didn't realize, like, uh, I have, like, citrus you know the like you know the like citrus from the orange whatever and uh-huh. so it just stung like hell like not just from the needle but the like, color
0: has a citrus in it no
1: like i was tattooing an orange and so like the citrus from the orange got into the tattoo. Uh-oh. like it was just uh, stupid I get, it was yeah. just yeah. stupid <laughs> you know i was just being stupid um but i was just you know and i did a little stupid one on him whatever like but i had no business tattooing anybody uh and it wasn't until i met jim and jim was like oh, i'll teach you like you were into it and you know i kind of like passed his like litmus test of are you an idiot or not (laughs) and uh yeah and so i started working with him and i basically quit my job and just started apprenticing with jim and just hung out there all the time and so that was your major gig for for a while tattoo like yeah working over at jim well so i stayed with at basically I, i because of all my internet work and everything i had saved up a pretty good amount of money or whatever and so i just lived off that this is i guess 2006 or 7 or something and um and so i just kind of like lived off that and tattooed at gyms and then i had a a couple months later maybe like six months later a friend of mine was moving to northern california and was like can you move all my stuff with me up to northern california i was like yeah for sure because i got a truck so that was kind of like when i left apprenticing to go out and start my own tattoo adventure you know and it wasn't it was not a super formal apprenticeship and so there was no like graduation into like you're now an an ordained you know tat wizard or something like that um it was just kind of like life you know i think like i especially back then more but i tend to flow with things as they're happening and that was just in the flow then so that became like my thing like tattooing you know once i had started apprenticing and everything else i kind of got rid of the tech guy identity you know let all that go the music guy like let all that go and was just like no like all i care about is tattoos because they're so real like it's you know i'm i can't like i have this forever you know it's like right. uh it's the exact opposite of building a website you know it because it's so permanent because it's gonna last everything and. uh yeah, so I just got obsessed with the culture and with the actual images, and really then I started learning about like, you know, uh, working with people, like communicating and like kind of somatic talk therapy, but with, without having any idea that's like what was going on, that's kind of what ended up started happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I did that, I traveled around with him for like, well not with him, I mean he moved up there, but I, I kind of traveled in between Northern California, LA, and Phoenix, for two or three years and just like stayed with people and tattooed all their friends and would you know spend a week in a place and then go to Sedona for a couple days and just chill out and then like drive back to LA and stay and tattoo a bunch of people and go to Northern California and and I just did that for a while and uh kind of what like broke that cycle was I got a phone call one day and it was my buddy who I had gone to like middle school with whatever and stayed in touch with he was in music and everything too and He's like, hey, um, you know, I'm out in Texas with Sublime with Rome and they all want tattoos. Do you want to come out and tattoo them? And I was like, of course I want to come out and tattoo them. That would be the coolest. So I threw my dog in the car and we drove out to Texas and I spent a week there with them, like just hanging out, listening to them record all day, drinking, tattooing them. And uh, I left and they called me and they're like, hey, we want you to come back. And I was like, whoa, all right. So it's like, you know came back like a week later spent another week out there or whatever and they were like dude i want you to do our album cover and i was like oh okay cool so i came back to la and i'm staying with rome and make their album cover or whatever and then one thing leads to another and i go on tour with them so i toured with them in 2011 over their like summer tour just tattooing everybody and filming everything and you know i don't know making making their media and whatever uh and that was just, like, dream, every dream I had ever had as a kid coming true for, like, one of my favorite bands, you know. And uh, did that again with them the next year, except for I did all the projections. So I started doing, like, projections. I mean, I had done a little bit of that before, but, like, I started doing projections for them <coughs> during their shows. So um, that was super cool. So tell me about projections,
0: then, because that's – I know in in theater – it's becoming like the thing right now yeah. is um, and there's been a lot of really interesting shows. I even think they did in, um, I don't know if you follow theater uh, in New York, they did uh, the Network. Remember the movie Network? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wish I did. A, I'm mad as hell and like, you're not going to take this anymore. Oh, okay, okay, long, yeah, yeah. You know that line. Um, they did a version of it and they basically did a lot of projections because it's like takes place in a newsroom and it you know, I didn't get to, you know, I can't afford to go out there and yeah, see yeah. it. But <laughs> all these great things where they're using projection to kind of like create these different spaces that you don't because of multimedia ultimately, it's like it's more than one information now. It's not, it's more than just having a person on the stage now. It's yeah. like creating something instantaneously
1: yeah is that Um, for you well so i i got into doing projections um kind of roundaboutly right before i went on tour with sublime i went to my first like uh they call them transformational festivals like an edm festival right like it was like it was lightning in a bottle uh but i had a friend who was performing i had a bunch of friends who were performing that year and i went and i stayed i camped with this uh this guy andrew jones and at the time, I didn't know who he was, uh, but everybody else did. Everybody in this whole place knew who he was. He was like a god at this place, and I, I had no idea. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so I was there. <laughs> but I was there, like, they had brought me because they want me to, like, film and, like, help them, like, make some media or whatever. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Because uh, I guess I left out, whatever, like, in all this stuff. I, I was really into digital photography, and I was really into HDR photography before that was, like, a button you could push on your phone um and i wrote an ebook about that so you sell that on the internet whatever so i've been in like photography and video and and recording music uh like i've been doing all of those things like n- like native like they were all part of everything i was doing this whole time but it was never like for money except for the ebook thing right. but for the most part i was doing it cuz i loved it um but anyway uh Oh, God, I don't even remember. <laughs> Andrew Jones. Andrew, Andrew Jones. Andrew? So thank you. I, so I'm out at light. I went to lightning ball with Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones is a like a digital art wizard, like literally a wizard. And he's got the long hair and, like, a, the whole cape thing, whatever. Like, full-on <laughs> wizard, okay? How many, and this uh, morning
0: I was remembering how when my mom would cheer us up, she'd let us, like, create like a little cape. Yeah, like cool. Like, this guy, like, he just
1: made it his adult. It's yeah. his adult life, yeah. I mean, now Les's a little. I mean, I've seen him recently. He's not so wizard out, but he's even more a wizard. But uh, he did this thing where his partner, she would go up and dance on the stage. Like And it was, like, the main Saturday night at 10 p.m. thing. Like, everybody waited for this thing and she would go up and she would dance and as she would dance he had a tablet and he would draw on his tablet and as he would draw on his tablet it would project onto her and as she was dance so she was like holding an orb that was like sparkling and glowing and as she would dance he could move the orb over her and like all these things would happen it was the most amazing thing everybody in the place was completely transformed and like people were doing some visuals that shows then but like that was the first time i had ever seen anybody like change reality you know Mm -hmm. here's here's this person dancing on this stage like you know she's clearly like moving energy and like flowing and everything but like the way that he was able to add projections to that like showed you what maybe you couldn't see. And we're so visual. I mean, like with TV and I mean, like think about like your reptilian brain and how like the most important thing for survival is what you can see. And the second most important thing for survival is what you can hear. And so it's like in that order, kind of your brain is processing things at that hierarchy. And like, it's, you know, we all know we can listen to music and we all sync up with each other and it feels so great. But like, if you add visual to that, you're able to, 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 access more of the processing power of the brain and sink people deeper more into that feeling of, uh, you know, where where you're kind of conducting them through an energetic experience. And anyway, so I'm like watching him do this. I'm learning from him. And I spent like a, a week out there with them learning about how he does all these different things. And then this other guy, um, Jonathan Singer, who's now the, he does the visuals for Grateful Dead. And the Grateful Dead's like last two years I of tour. They're still going, huh? Dude, with John Mayer, it's huge. Oh yeah, John Mayer. It's <laughs> huge. Like they sell out stadiums across the country, uh, and it's not cheap. And fish you know, is
0: still a thing too. Or fish is still a thing too. Part of that, they just, right? I
1: think they just played like two days ago or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this how somebody posted about it. But Grateful Dead's productions are huge. Like you know, they have a hundred foot video wall behind them while they play. You know, like of uh, the best quality um which as a video projections person you're like yes i want that like super <laughs> good point. so anyway, i learned from andrew i learned from jonathan and then i went out on tour with sublime while i was with them they were like we want to maybe do some videos and i was like well who's going to play the videos well you want me to make some videos well i'm going to play the videos too and they're like okay and i literally learned how to use modulate like all the way on the airplane to the tour like uh and was just like i'm going to figure this out but i you know as they'd be playing i'd be showing like pot leaves on the screens you know and they're playing smoke two joints and there's some pot leaves on the screens and literally not to say that I'm taking credit for it but like the whole audience would just like start smoking immediately and it was just this giant cloud of stuff would come up and it'd be like oh man like I could tell that what the videos I was playing were having this effect on everybody sometimes there would be like a, a certain image that like really got everyone and you'd hear people go like woo all at the same time it was like wow like you know here are my heroes playing some of my favorite music and I'm able to like add anything to that to make everybody else in the audience like have a deeper experience where they're feeling more connected with everything that's going on and and that's why I got into it but really just it's just super fun I mean like it's probably one of the most fun things um the last like two years I've been doing a lot of visuals for my buddy Bryce Vine who uh is more like the EDM pop kind of world but it's super fun like a couple times a year they'll fly me out I'll go out to a festival with them and we'll go do visuals or whatever and or, I mean I'll do his visuals it's super fun um but yeah I mean I think it was definitely getting into projections and visuals and things that then I started doing projection map paintings um and that's kind of like a level of augmented reality but it's like in real life and I so I I uh painted all these paintings, a couple paintings with, uh, an artist, um, Nina Topinko. And after we painted them, we realized we could project on them and make them like come to life. And so we did that at a couple art galleries and people wanted to be able to do it at home. They were like, how do I have this painting on my house at home? But setting up a projector to like projection map a painting in somebody's Mm. house is like just way too difficult for reasons I like could talk to you about for five hours. And uh but i think there's people that could afford to uh, that, there's people put, who like, yeah like, it's not a matter of like affordance i think that's <coughs> like the issue in having something like that it's like <coughs> it's like if someone bumps the painting at all or like the painting just like naturally shifts on the walls because you're like listening to your music in the room or whatever mm. it's not gonna be aligned anymore and like for for whatever reason as many people as i've ever tried to teach how to like projection map things and line them up with the project or whatever like I seem to be one of few people who knows how to do that. You'd be you the repair
0: guy every time it moves. Exactly.
1: In, right? So I end up like putting myself in this position of having to like constantly be like in this like service position to them or whatever. So now they're having to pay so what, like some service fee contract. Like, nah. Right. So. I mean, short of it being in an actual gallery or a museum then. Right. Yeah. 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 Because there at least you have like a curator or somebody you could like work with to make sure that it's perfect or if it's not perfect, Someone call me, now there's a device that's called Lightform, um, which actually automatically projection maps things for you. You just like stick it on top of your projector and it just like finds the artwork and maps the whole thing for you. So like, that is a huge solution, but that only came out like a year ago, like a year or two ago. So before all of that, I was figuring, someone told me at an art gallery, they're like, why don't you use an app? And they're like, there's this company that makes an augmented reality app that you could use to make your paintings animated. And I was like, Oh, of course and so I did that and that's how I first learned augmented reality whatever and started like messing with that and so it's kind of all of these things like leading up and happening with each other that without all of them happening when they happened and everything else I was going on like when I did a tattoo of a sound wave on some of my friends and my partner Juliana goes wouldn't it be cool if you could play that back my brain was just like oh of course I could think I could do that I could do that with all these other things I learned how to do and it was just like, oh, the next evolution of all these other things that are happening. It's like Good segue into your skin motion. Yeah. Skin yeah. Motion app,
0: which I was like, I I totally dropped the ball. I was going to like maybe print something and like test the app here oh, for I mean, the I, audience. I, I think
1: I have a, you, we could do it on this card. Oh, okay. So you have a
0: car, So you create the sound. So people put it on. Maybe I'll let you explain
1: it better. Cause no, I'm I want to hear, like, I hear okay. how you explain so it
0: understood from, from my research uh, you get the app you record a sound the sound then they can print it somewhere they, you don't have to print it yourself though you bring it to the studio and you guys print it and then tattoo it on somebody and then you use the app again to listen to the sound and then i think the only caveat was that like it has to be on a flat surface on your body right because which well, doesn't
1: exist it's a, tr- well, it's a yeah so you, get, but you did good okay. that was like a very accurate description yeah so um, so I, so the Juliana was like, wouldn't it be cool if you could play that sound back? I was like, I, Oh man, I could totally do that. Uh, so I, so I, so I made, uh, two, these two tattoos I did on my friends. I made them work. I made them play back and they got, um, Elton John's tiny dancer. Um, but they just wanted the wave. Like they just wanted the image It was like a friend tattoo between them, you know? And, uh, they were happy. Which was a picture. So when I made it play back for them, they were like, oh, that's cool. And they did a little video of it and they posted it on their Facebook. And when they did that, all these people started commenting on it, being like, what is that? What is that? No way. Like, you're, you know, you're faking us out. Like, that's not real. Uh, A lot, you know, a lot more harsh internet kind of talk than that, yeah. but you get it. <laughs> the and internet uh, trash talking? Never. <laughs> yeah. And like, kind of that kind of sparked me a little bit just like that people would think it was cool but also the, kind of the controversy behind it whatever and i was like oh man like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do another one um and i was about to do like i was gonna do a tattoo for a live twitch like for a twitch um fundraiser some like this group of people run a twitch network out of like north hollywood they have a whole house converted into like a twitch channel it's awesome and uh They were doing a 48-hour, like, fundraiser to send kids in Africa to college or something like that. And uh, they wanted me to be there, like, at the end for when they had done a certain milestone, somebody was going to get a tattoo. And I was like, oh, of course. Like, that sounds super fun. Um, So the night before I was going to go to that, I was like, I think I should tattoo one of these on myself. So I tattooed one on my leg. And while I did it, I had Juliana film me. And so she's filming me uh, while I'm tattooing it. And... Then, after I did the tattoo, I animated it. I made the whole thing playback and I bought soundwavetattoo.com. and I, I did the soundwave tattoo page on Facebook and I made the soundwave tattoo Instagram and I made the, the YouTube page. Like, I did, I you know, I did like all those different things. And then I put up a website, and on the website, all there was was just this 30 second super mysterious video that shows me doing one on myself, but you can't see it's me. And uh, then you see the phone holding it over and it playing back. And then just with a link to the website and then the website just had a mailing list. that says, do you want one? Type in your email, you know? And that was it. And I put it on Facebook the next day and got like a million views in 24 hours and was like, oh. <laughs> you're like, I have to, I have to actually do this. Kind of, you were like, I was gonna put it off. <laughs> I thought it was a cool art project. Like, I, I thought do. it was like a thing that, like, maybe I would end up tattooing like twenty of these on people. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe people are gonna see this and think it's cool, and they're gonna be like, "Hey, man, can I get tattooed by you?" and Be like, "Sure, I'll do one on you." You know, like, whatever. Uh, is that, so, is that something exclusively you do though? Soundwave tattoos. The, yeah, the sound wave tattoos. No way. No. Right. no, I mean not by any means. I and and. That was, I guess, you know, that was my first response, but actually, you know, I woke up to this, like, I, I went to sleep and it was like, oh, we're getting some views, like, that's cool, but when I woke up the next day, I woke up to, like, my phone exploding from everyone being like, you're going viral, oh my god, you're going viral, and, like, half of those phone calls were like, you need to get a lawyer. You know, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So, oh, sorry. So I, so I get on the. I mean, but that's what you don't want to hear. That like you don't want to hear your phone going crazy in the morning. Especially getting a lawyer, because then you know you're like, "Oh, this is like really serious." Yeah, like, you I don't want to wake up to your friends telling you you need a lawyer. Like that is not, you know, that's not yeah. good. It's not but you good. You had to like trademark yeah. and do all that stuff, right? Uh, so, I and I knew not, I, you know, with all my experience in creating things, I had never like had to really deal with legal. You know, that was not anything I really have to deal with. So you know, I had to get a lawyer. and so I, I got on the phone with a lawyer like that day. I actually talked to like two or three lawyers that day, figured out, oh, well, we got to patent this, so I t- actually had to take my video down, even though it was going viral. like I had to go take it down and then like write the patent with a lawyer, uh, spent a couple of days working on that with him, got it filed, and as soon as we got the patent filed like a week later. I was able to put it back online. And when I, I was so scared that when I put it back up, that it would be dead. Right. You the, know, get the, like, yeah. the Internet, people could be over it. In Turn, a day. Turns out, actually, by taking it down for a week, it just made people go. Did you guys see that thing? Did like, it exist? like, I don't know. I can't have it now. I must have it. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. And it was, it was like it was like not intentional at all. But, you know, like if I'm to create a script on how maybe to make something go viral, like I feel like that maybe plays into a little bit. I don't know. So, um, I put it back up and then it got 15 million views in a couple of days. And, you know, at that point it was like, okay, this is a real thing. So, you know, Juliana and I were kind of sitting there and it was like, look, like if we decide to do this, like this is going to completely take over our lives for five years, 10 years, maybe like, this is going to be this like huge thing that we are responsible for. And like, you, you know, prior to this, we were kind of like happy to be van life people. Like, I don't think either of us really are like trying to amass a ton of, you know, material objects and like status and whatever. We're just like, Oh, we want to be in nature and be happy. Like for the most part. Um, and so it was kind of like, you know, we're going to really have to like step up and do this. And we were like, well, and and I guess simultaneously kind of influencing that is like, we're getting hundreds of emails from people being like, my mom just died. And I really want one of those tattoos of my mom's voice, you know, or my baby died. And I want the heartbeat of my baby that died or, you know, like, and we had just had our first daughter like three months before that. And so you know, we're getting like all these messages of people being like, this person died and I like have to get this tattoo. And per- tattoos are always very personal, but I think that, that obviously yeah. this touched something else that was even more, yeah. you know, added it extra. And we had, I mean, I, I didn't anticipate that. I had no idea. And at that point it kind of, it was like, <clears throat> it was super obvious that this was like bigger than us, you know, like we had like brought, we had like brought this into the world, but it wasn't like for us. It was for all these people who was, really gonna help, you know, who they really wanted this thing, they really wanted to feel it. So we kind of took it on as like a mission to help those guys or and gals, right? Um, and and so we just like dove head first and I started doing interviews everywhere. <laughs> and I said, you know, i was like on it was like first it was Reuters and then it was CBS and then it was NBC and then it was you know I'm going and doing satellite link ups and just totally thrown into it. And I'm basically on all these things. And they're going, so you made this thing and it's going to exist. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to exist. It's going <laughs> to exist. It, like in a few weeks, we'll have it and everyone can have it. It's totally My team's working exist. on
0: it and you're like, it's me.
1: <laughs> right? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, luckily I have experience in this kind of thing. So like, it's not, it's not too far off for me to be like, I can make an app. Right. I made a few for insurance companies and stuff back in the day, whatever. Um, so I wasn't totally lying. Right. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. But
0: you got to like you got to but I had to be a little lot more, bit.
1: I'd be a lot more confident than I probably deserve to be at that point. <laughs> um so
0: like Silicon Valley was there a lot of like VCs and on all those type of things
1: or not a lot of VC investors yeah, or so that kind of thing. It it kind of was like it was like okay, we got to figure out the best way to structure the company and how to um you know how to do the investment and it was i definitely got like thrown head first into learn the life of a startup you know ceo um luckily i can learn things quickly and i had really good people to help me um i mean i probably spent twice as much on lawyers as i needed to because i was relying on them to tell me what to do for a lot of things and like now I would not have to ask any of those same questions, which is great. It's like I paid from, I paid a, a college education's yeah, worth amount of money to like- lawyers to give me that education, which, you know, is a little frustrating, but also now I have that and I can help other people because I've learned it. So, um, you know, I guess now that's kind of where I'm at, where I want to be able to help other people with that stuff so they don't have to go through spending way too much money on lawyers. But anyway, it was a lot of that. America is very litigious. Yeah. You know, way too many lawyers for everything. Well, and, like, you know, we got lucky. So you know, there were a couple of different, like, angel investors we were talking to. And um, I got a phone call. I actually I, I got an email one day. And the email was like, hey, we want to set up a meeting with you. And it was somebody from Lionsgate. And I was like, oh, awesome. Like, I would love to have a meeting with you guys. And so I went out to dinner with this guy. And he was like, yeah, like, I was driving down the freeway. And I was listening to K-Rock. And they were talking about your Soundwave tattoos. And so I looked it up and I called my assistant and told him I had to come talk to you and I want to invest in your company. And I was just, it was just like, whoa, like, you know, because you know, I go to these like startup things now, you know, networking groups or whatever, and everyone's constantly going like, how do you get an investor? And how do you, you know, and it was like, I got the phone call and was out at Sushi and the guy's like, I want to give you the money. Literally wrote me an email term sheet and a $100,000 check, like almost on the spot uh, which was awesome. So we could actually like the things I was saying we were going to do, we could like actually do now. Um, and turns out like, you know, he would end up investing a bunch of money and getting other people involved and like definitely could not have done any of this without him. So super grateful for that. And, uh, yeah. And then just the, really the lawyers were trying to, build a foundation of how everything is set up so that then it can grow properly. Because I think, you know, a lot of companies, when people start companies, you'll get like two or three or four people together and they'll be co-founders and everybody will invest all of their time because it's not just going to be a bunch of money and they will get the thing to a certain point, create this foundation so that then the money can come into this like structured container that is built for it. And Because our thing had already gone viral and the idea already existed and because I had already patented and all these other things, it was kind of like around me, you know, and and in a large part, Juliana, too, but kind of us together through me as the conduit for it. Right. And uh, so it's different. Like it wasn't just like we like when you start a startup, there's like this prescribed way to go. And it's like start a C corp, a Delaware C corp, and then you know go through this pro- this accelerator program, and then you know if you have this lawyer, then that lawyer has his you know built-in VC network, and so by going through that lawyer and having them prepare all of your things and doing your C corp and structuring everything a certain way, then that lawyer is going to pay themselves a small percentage to do all of that stuff of your equity. And then they're going to present your company to their own VC firm, who is then going to give you more money because it's structured the way the VC firm wants it to be in the first place so that then they can do that. But because they've already done all of those things, that VC firm is fairly certain that they're going to be able to go to the next VC firm and raise four times as much money and say that you're worth this much more money. And it's like a, uh, um, It's like a a pyramid scheme, a little bit. I don't want to say that. (laughs) I did. Yeah, but it's a... I mean, if you look at all the big unicorn IPOs that happened this year, they all lost money. Like, they were all all valued in the, like, multiple billions of dollars range, and as soon as they were released, they all dropped, like, 25% in value, like, overnight. So if you want to look at, like, what is actually valuable and, like, what is perceived value, like, there's a huge disconnect in between what is actually valuable and right. what is perceived value. I mean, like, Uber still has never made money. Yeah. They're, like, losing money constantly. Amazon, People, too, I think. That no, Amazon makes down. a lot of money. It but does now? Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh they don't pay any taxes because they learn how to offset all their, their revenue. So there's, and there's, <laughs> like, you learn it seems like based on what we're taught in high school and through culture and whatever, that like, if you do hard work and you do everything the right way and whatever, that like things will, should work out for you and whatever. And what you, I think what you realize once you start working with all these lawyers and all these different people and everything is like, Oh no, there's actually this like other, there's the way that things are written to be, which things are really happening in. But uh, but if you're just like a small business person and you're just like trying to make things work and you're just like not really, you know, you don't have a whole team of legal people behind you and whatever you like, don't figure out like, Oh, I could do this thing and the company won't have to pay any taxes. And not only will the company not have to pay taxes, but then I can offset my person. Like, like if you create an LLC, you can disproportionately allocate losses to investors. So if they invest a bunch of money that like, that's the reason why to have an LLC instead of a C corp. Anyway, like, You, like, years and years, I'm two years into this training now, and it's a lot of, it's a lot. And and, and I think once you look at what's going on with tech and and apps and, and, you know, VC-backed companies or whatever, a lot of it is like a hocus-pocus marketing thing.
0: Right. I mean, the, the I think the film, The Big Short, was kind of about that too, with that whole financial investment thing that, that dropped. How it was yeah, up. I mean,
1: we're. I, I'm, and, I'm not a financial guy. Like, yeah. I, that's not my specialty. I do not claim to be any kind of specialist or whatever, but it is very obvious that we're like on the precipice of another kind of like 2008 scenario. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, as a CEO of a company, I'm thinking about that a lot, also as like a dad who has a family and is like trying to like Mm -hmm. take, you know, I'm also, I'm thinking about that a lot too, right? So you're like, I'm going to wait on buying that Ferrari. Oh my God, (laughs) like that day will come. I mean, I don't know. I think rather than buying a Ferrari, I'd rather like build a school somewhere, but you seem the type. That's what I brought up as a joke. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One day, hopefully. Yeah.
0: so you, you do tattoos as well. So do you have a particular style that
1: you like to do? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love that. I, I do tattoo that as well. Kind of like <laughs> yeah, like on like, the we're side. Gonna, we're going to kind of just... I always feel
0: like the, the show has become about everything but tattoos. So I'm like, yeah. I'll just, I just bring it up again. And then we can talk about other stuff
1: again. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting about that, right? Like tattoos are kind of this like cultural thing that we use to... Like identify ourselves for ourselves, but also for each other, and it, there are so many correlations between people who are into tattoos and are part of the tattoo community and 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 care about tattoo culture, you know, more than just like pretty pictures, um, but like where it's going and and like where, like we can influence it and like what what influences that are happening in it are maybe things we want to discourage, you know, like (laughs) there, but like, um, everything around that is like, so intricately woven into the actual tattoo culture and everything that's going on. So like, I I don't, like, I don't, I can't separate them, you know? Well, I guess like because if people are listening and they want to get a tattoo by you,
0: what's what are your specialties? Oh yeah yeah no I, get, I feel you do, yeah I mean I'll, I get I I'll I'll bring the, it all back down I get to earth big
1: idea stuff <laughs> yeah yeah, I yeah. Get that uh, no I mean I like sacred geometry probably more than most things like I've been working on like my whole torso doing is a that bunch what you of have like in your hand, yeah you in your hand? I did my hand oh you like, did your hand yeah so this is all the platonic solids uh with a like a dual fibonacci spiral coming out of it kind of galaxy in the middle and it's like i think of it as like an energy portal where these are all charging up like this center point and then that energy like radiates out of the center of my hand um and so really like you know i i've learned i I used to work with mike devries making a bunch of like educational documentaries uh or not documentaries but like you know he did a tattoo on my leg we filmed it we he did a couple other ones we filmed them and And then he's made the how to do tattoo videos right yeah so i produce those videos for my okay and uh so i got to learn a lot from mike by making those videos like i was sitting there you know the video is seven hours long and so i got to sit there and watch this video like 50 times in a row (laughs) yeah and uh so you know so I, i i've done all the kind of all the styles in a very general sense and like not ever super specialized in anything but it was when uh i think like i started learning about all the sacred geometry stuff and getting really into, like, the patterns behind everything. And I just got so much more interested in, like, black and gray and, like, pattern work and mandalas. I do a lot of mandalas. Um, But now, I mean, like, (laughs) it changes. It's always changed. Now I'm more into, like, heavy black work, you know? Like, I want to do, like, big, like, uh, form-fitting neo techno tribal like where you know we're accentuating muscle tones and shapes but it looks like uh circuit boards you know like kind of overlaid on top of the skin or something like that's like if so, i could just like sit and create my own thing all day like i would be putting these huge black geometric circuit boards on people we're heading towards like the cyberpunk yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah. Yeah I mean I I never thought of it like that but yeah. Well yeah cuz I see a
0: lot of um the what do they call it the um, I totally lost the name of it but like outrun that 80s kind of uh idea and then cyberpunk and I see them both kind of like there's this
1: resurgence between yeah. the two aesthetics where yeah. people kind of want that right now. I mean I I'm I'm happy to have people who keep wanting me to do the kind of stuff i want to do for sure i mean definitely the best tattoos are the ones where people come in and they're like i really like your style just do more of your style right here and like okay that sounds great how did you get into sacred i i've never even heard of this
0: sacred geometry
1: yeah uh the short story is psychedelics but the long story (laughs) but the long story is uh you know I had a buddy who's really, into, who's really into yoga and, like, body work and energy. He was, like, his family is very deeply um, lineaged into body work, like, energetic body work. Um, not quite Reiki, but, like, you know, along those lines. Yeah. And so when he was learning about all that, he was kind of teaching. Same buddy, I moved up north. Okay. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with him. And in the process, I don't know, whatever, we got our hands on a DVD by a guy named Nassim Harriman. And Nassim Harriman is like a scientist out of Canada. And it was like this eight hour DVD of like, you know, four DVDs, whatever. We just sit there and watch it. And he explains like the fundamental shapes of ge- geometry that are within um, all the platonic solids and what those mean and how they correlate to other things in nature, like music. Uh, you know, it talks about the pyramids and all the shapes in the pyramids and how they're all like exact and, and, Those measurements actually correlate to the distance between the earth and the sun and the moon and how all of those things are interrelated. Actually, the like, you know, more or less, it started bringing all of these different esoteric things I had been interested in into a like unified theory of everything is connected and related with each other. And at first, that was just like a, a neat sounding thing. You know, I was like interested because I had been interested in, um, you know, in art and in science and all these different things. But when he kind of put all these things together, like I always knew there was something missing from what I had been told or what I was taught or whatever. And, and finally, when this guy Nasim Harriman explained all these things in his DVD, it was just like everything clicked. Um, and it was because he boiled down the structure of nature into something that was its most fundamental form, which is just shape and the those shapes are correlated to wavelengths which is just all energy and how all those things are interrelated so through learning through Nassim harriman stuff then i started learning like he's kind of i don't want to say he's a pseudoscientist but he's like a self-taught self guided. like the the, like you know academic scientific community Mm. like kind of looks down on him a little bit which they i don't think is you know i think that happens a lot to people who are like visionaries who are, like, coming up with these things. But he came up with it.
0: Joseph Campbell, who came up with the, you know, the myth. Yeah, the The, monomyth. The monomyth. Yeah. And, like, he was kind of ousted. But but the
1: monomyth is everything. Now we have Star Wars, so. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm obsessed with the monomyth. I Mm love, yeah. Um, But, so anyway, it was first it was Nassim Harriman, and then that kind of led into a bunch of other things, you know, and a lot of it had to do with, like, unlocking these secrets that had been kept that suddenly started showing up everywhere. Like as soon as I learned how to see the connections between all these things, then it was like every logo for every corporation ever is made with very intentional sacred geometry and, and colors to specifically affect your brain in a particular way. And there are people who have been studying this for hundreds of years, but they kept it locked up in secret societies and, Um, You know, I was just always very interested in that kind of stuff. And so once the information, I felt like maybe with the Internet and like the early, the mid, you know, 2000s or whatever, all this stuff just started coming out and everybody just like there was no way to suppress information anymore, which unfortunately it's starting to a lot more now. It's getting like the Internet is not the same place. Now, is yeah, it's kind of dangerous
0: because some people have access to information that is not.
1: Yeah, true. I mean, that, if you rabbit beloved. hole anything on YouTube, you're yeah. gonna end up in a really like not awesome place, right? Like that's one of the unfortunate things they're trying to figure out how to solve right now is like YouTube is this rabbit hole into extremism, which is not the answer, you know? Like anything extreme is is black or white, and everything is really a kind of gray area. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good stuff there, but anyway uh it took a while to to digest all that sacred geometry stuff and then to realize oh my god there's all these guys in in europe and in southeast asia who are already doing these really epic sacred geometry tattoo bodysuits, you know like philip Liu, who i i had no idea of because he wasn't like pop culture tattoo tv out here not that i ever really followed that much but like you know it wasn't somebody that i was super aware of or like zed Lahed. i didn't know who that was i didn't know and i could now i could name a thousand of you know of these people and even trace a certain amount of their lineage between each other because i care so much but um you know there's 30 years or more of european you know, heavy blackwork geometric bodysuit stuff that was going on that I was completely not aware of and because of finding out about, like, sacred geometry and all this other stuff over here, I discovered that and was just completely blown away and it just made so much more... I was just drawn to it. That's, like, all I was thinking about. Um And then kind of more modern, you know, in the last four or five years, I started doing a lot of ayahuasca um, to heal myself and to, like, work on a lot of stuff that I needed to process and deal with but in the process of um going through these ayahuasca ceremonies i ended up kind of finding a lot more value and doing a lot more tattoos and stuff for like um kind of like spear animals like energy totems like things for people that would like help they could like carry with them and use as like magic talismans that are encoded with energy that will help them to be more than who they are, like what they want to be rather than like who they feel like they're like, you know, stuck as or like the victim to.
0: Yeah. I I have a friend that does, or he used to go to shaman. Yeah. So I totally hear that. So let's kind of get a little bit back to your, your shop as we wrap up. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about the other people at your shop?
1: Yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah. Major shout out. So Jamie, uh, Jamie Parker, uh, opened the shop in March. And I used to work with Jamie over at Mike's, uh, over at MD Tattoos. And uh, Jamie actually apprenticed with Mike and and then worked with Mike for a long time and then uh, went over to Los uh, Hidden LA. And when Hidden LA closed down, then he opened a shop not too far from there uh, called Tribute Tattoo Studio. And um, you know I, I didn't tattoo for the most part during the Skin Motion launch and founding and everything because I was just so overwhelmed and I had a lot of people who were asking, and I just like, I couldn't deal with everything at once. Um, and I didn't want to be giving people tattoos while I was, like, distracted by email or whatever and lawyers. Um, so once everything with the company kind of settled down a little bit, I started looking to maybe get, like, another private studio. Because I've worked in private studios pretty much, like, the majority of my um, career. You know, the last, like, 10 years of tattooing has, for the most part, just been, like, all done private. Uh, I mean, I would pop into shops and hang out but not for too long. Um so I started looking at for new shops and stuff and and Jamie's got this beautiful shop over in West Hills and uh it just always gotten along with him. He's such a cool guy and and uh and then Nick, uh Nick uh Arroyo, he is a really good tattooer. Takes everything like really serious and like always make sure to do his like absolute best on everything which actually is like super inspiring for me because sometimes i'm like you want how big of a thing and how fast of a time for how much money like okay whatever sit down and i'll make it work but like nick will not sacrifice anything to like make this thing like super perfect and so you know respect because sometimes i'm like hey i'll give you a half a sleeve in six hours that like it will be six hour half sleeve quality but if that's what you want like um so but yeah I'm 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 stoked there. It's it's a really it's a really laid back vibe and you know I definitely think that like being able to encourage each other is like a major strong point that I'm I'm happy to have rather than just like working alone because I work I spent so much time working alone. So it sounds like this is the first time you had like a tattoo home.
0: Yeah. Yeah totally. That's awesome. Well, um, th- Nate, thank you for coming by today. Uh, we could talk for another two hours, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, remind us where we can find
1: you. Uh, so my website is natesigurd.com, Uh And then everywhere else, it's just Nate Sigurd. Instagram, Twitter. Um, and then Skin Motion, uh, Soundwave Tattoos or Skin Motion, uh, skinmotion.com, or the app is uh, Skin Motion. And, it's uh, on iOS and Android? Yep yep ios and android that. uh yeah and uh i'm super i'm super happy to be here thanks for having me I'm, and i would love to tattoo anybody who's listening or watching who wants to come through and get a tattoo like hit me up I would- yeah i mean that's what this show's about <laughs> amongst other things
0: again he's nate Sigurd,
1: Cigard, yeah. did i get it right
0: <laughs> from tribute tattoo studio for more information go to kpcradio.com i want to thank you all for listening i'm anthony sanchez